Hello and welcome to the Moment of Truth podcast. This is the show where I invite you to take a moment and to reflect and be proud of how far that we have come as individuals and as a community, but also honest about where we still have to go in our growth as individuals, but as well our growth as supporters and protectors of Black trans power. Through personal testimony and honest conversation with community members and community leaders, we will not only recognize the power we all have lurking within ourselves to impact our own lives, but also our communities in a positive way and continue to keep pushing Black trans power forward. I am your host, Junior Mint, and if you're wondering what my credentials are, I'm your favorite black trans woman, empowerment life coach, and drag preacher, but all around bad bitch, to be honest. You can find me on all social media at Junior Mint, that's Junior Mint with two T's because of copyright, and on top of it, if you would like a full... If you would like an extended version of this episode, you can feel free to follow me on Patreon at Junior Mint. Again, that's Junior Mint with two T's and you can get exclusive content of this podcast. First and foremost, before we begin the first ever episode, let me just begin by saying that no lives matter until Black trans lives matter. This podcast believes in prison and police abolition. It is anti-fascist, anti-capitalist, and believes that anti is one of the best Rihanna albums, okay? I'm here armed with honesty, comedy, and a strong-ass opinion on a variety of topics. But most importantly, again, I am armed with Black trans power. We're going to talk about not only the stuff that's happening in our individual lives, but as well what is going on in our communities. So think of it as part social commentary, part political commentary, but all around personal commentary. I like to think that I'm here to not only meet you where you're at, but also take you where you're going. So that's the perfect segue to getting this beautiful first episode begun. For the first segment ever of this podcast, we are going to be doing a mental check-in. So I'm going to be sharing with you my rose and my thorn of this week and some wisdom, but as well on top of it, some learning lessons that I've learned from this week that when I... When I sat down to think about what I thought maybe my rose and my thorn would be, the rose came to me immediately. My rose had to be the rekindling of the connection between me and my mother. And if you know me in person at all, then you absolutely know that me and my mom are so close. But what I've recently been discovering is that the connection that you can have with someone in your life is so different when Money is not a stressing factor. And I am so thankful because we recently had to do a GoFundMe to help raise funds for multiple different things that my mom, my aunt, and my grandmother desperately needed throughout this pandemic. And my community funded it. And I've been realizing through this newfound stability through this GoFundMe having been funded, I didn't realize how much of my mom and I's conversations and relationship revolved around money just simply because we've never had enough of it. And for the first time in my life, I'm really getting to sit down and not be stressed out about different ways that I can't help because I have student loan debt, because I'm a working artist, because I'm a black trans woman, 
all the different ways in which I can actually financially contribute, but I can emotionally contribute were all of the different ways in which I kind of just felt like I was coming short as the child is like, I should be able to help out in this situation. And so the fact that there is finally the stability, we have actually been able to just sit down and my anxiety isn't overwhelming me by like how much I want to help, but we can actually sit down and actually have just a fun conversation. And it actually led us into her talking about what it was like for her to carry me in her womb. She was talking about what the pregnancy was like. She was talking about all of these different characteristics and mannerisms that I had as a little kid that that's for me, some of the most beautiful times in a child's life is when you're just purely running off of instinct. You're not thinking about who you are or how someone is perceiving you. And society hasn't been able to truly get to you yet about societal norms and whether who you are is acceptable or good or bad. And we actually end up talking about that, me and Klondike, in the interview you're going to listen to soon. So like, keep on listening. But when I tell you, it is something that has been giving me so much more clarity to myself because the main thing that I remember from us talking is this story that she told me. And it's back when I was four years old. It was 1999. And apparently the only thing that little Junior wanted to be for Halloween that year was a queen. And if that is not the most on-brand thing I've ever heard from me, the fact that I am four years old and the thing that I already know about myself is that I am royalty. And on top of it, I need the correct outfit to be this royalty, okay? And so I was looking for a look and I was looking for support and my mom was ready to give me both, okay? So me, my two brothers, my dad and my mom, they get us into the van, okay? Because there was five of us and my two brothers are, they are four and five years older than me. And so you have to imagine that like, while I'm four, they're nine and 10. We get into this van. My dad loved a big van. He loved a big fucking van because, my dad loved to build shit okay so he always had to have space in the van in order to like move computer parts because he'd be building computers and he'd build cars and shit and so we get into this big ass van we drive on down to party city right and when we're there and we're picking out costumes apparently she is looking for like you know the face makeup and she's also looking for like the queen costume and as she's looking and she's taking me around apparently of course my dad and my brothers are putting up an entire stupid phone and a transphobic ass funk about why I can't be a queen why can't I be something else do why are you dressing junior up like that and literally my mom tooth and nail defended me and she quotes told them junior is going to be whatever junior wants to be and if junior wants to be a queen junior will be a queen and that is the type of love respect and protection that I know that I will be giving my children when I start raising them because it, I think back to it and it gets me emotional because at a time where I was trying my hardest to be myself, just wanting to dress up as who I wanted to be and represent myself as what I wanted to be before I had even known that society had norms and were trying to put me in a box. My mom defended exactly who I was and to this day I truly believe that that is where I learned every every ounce of the activism and community defense that I have in me now because 
to know that she was defending me and standing up for whoever I wanted to be at that age before I had words for who I was, before I understood terms, before I understood anything. And it makes me emotional because that is who I want to be the most in this world is someone who is standing up for someone. And I love my mom so much. And it I'm so thankful to have that validation because I think that as a trans person, it adds a whole layer to my understanding of myself when I hear someone who watched me grow up, who watched me evolve, who watched me discover myself, who watched me begin to be ashamed of myself because of what society taught me and then grow to watch me become the strongest person in the world that I know myself, the baddest bitch, junior man. And so for me to hear her even say that, that no bitch, you were junior men as a little kid. You were junior men as a little kid before you knew turn, before you could read, before you knew anything about gender, before you knew anything about anything, you were always junior men. And I will, truly take that to heart for the rest of my life and that's something that I feel very blessed to have experienced with my mom because yeah I feel like it adds a whole nother layer to the relationship we've had because it adds that extra feeling of she's my guardian angel truly truly because she's always supported me and to know that yep she was even doing that before (laughs) before memories were being formed and so yeah it it makes me very emotional and I'm truly tearing up even talking about it right now. And uh, I know that even when she hears it, I know I'm going to get a text message from her. But yes, that is my rose of this week. And yeah, I'm just so beyond thankful, beyond freaking thankful for that woman. She is amazing. And everybody send some love, send some positive energy out to Delma right now. We stand her. We stand her. We stand a legend. Uh And I guess I should get into my thorn now. And if I had to say what my thorn of the week was, now when it comes to thorns, I'm going to be honest, it was kind of hard for me to pick one. Not because shit's not going on in my life, but simply because anything that's shitty that happens in my life, I always am the silver lining type of bitch for myself. Not necessarily when I comfort other people, but for me, I always am trying to find a silver lining, something that makes me feel like this is really just a like not really a thorn but a rose in disguise right I'm trying to bamboozle and baffle myself into just seeing it positively because if there's one thing that life will not give you it's a reason to smile you have to find that on your own because in a capitalist society trust me the whole reason why there is a demand for anything, for any product, is because you believe that you need it. You believe that your life is not perfect. It cannot be great without this product. And that's how capitalism literally works. So in a capitalist society, life is not going to be giving you anything that is actually going to make you whole. It's only going to feed you things that make you think you need more things. And so I find that most of the time, the most beautiful and wholehearted things that last in terms of making you happy are all things that are deeply driven by your connection to yourself, your community, and your loved ones. And so 
when it comes to my thorn, I would definitely say is probably me harping on trying to be a productive human being or judging myself based off the level of productivity that I am putting out when truly I should just be proud and happy of the fact that my body is continuing on to another day that I'm blessed enough to wake up to another day. But if I'm going to talk about the thorn, let's talk about the fact that truly society makes you believe that if you are not being productive, if you're not putting your time and your energy towards work, then there is something wrong with you or you should be ashamed of yourself. You need to get it together. Or honestly, even judging how how healthy or how good your week is going based off of how much work you got done. Like, Think about how many people truly tell you how good their week is going based off of how much work they got done. And it's one of those things where truly start to determine whether your week was good based off of how you connected with yourself that week. Did you have enough time to take care of yourself and all of your actual emotional obligations to yourself? And these are the things that I have to keep reminding myself of, because, again, life will never give you the opportunity to just take a moment. You have to steal that bitch. okay? you need to steal every ounce of peace of mind that you get because no societal structure no business is going to give that to you you have to determine it and take it for yourself and that's what I've been fighting myself to do more and more and that's honestly how the beautiful conversation with my mom came about is because I was like you know what junior you don't sit down and you don't actually just talk to her you don't actually get to just See where a conversation is taking you, okay? Because when you think about the wealth of knowledge and conversation and wisdom and history and memories that another person has, not just a parent, not a guardian, not a loved one, but just any person that you have a conversation with, the barista at your Starbucks has at minimum 18 years of life just lived that honestly is built up to some form of wisdom that you can learn from if you dare to connect, if you dare to reach out. And so what I've been truly challenging myself to do is to stop judging myself based off of how much work I'm getting done and start judging myself on how much internal work I'm doing. And when I say judge, I don't mean like feel horrible afterwards. It's just actually gauging how I think I'm progressing as junior, actually checking in with myself and saying those emotional goals that you set for your yourself five months ago hell five years ago all of those things where you're like that's where I hope to be in the future are you meeting those goals or are you on track to meeting those goals or did you completely forget about that and is the vision of you something different and you haven't checked in to realize the image of who you want to be has changed see all of these are just very different nuanced walks of life and different things that you may realize about yourself when you check in And all of these questions that I'm sitting and asking myself are things that most black trans people are not privileged enough to just have the excess time to sit down and think about. It reminds me of the same thing I was talking about with my mom in terms of we rarely got the time to just sit down and follow a conversation because most of the time it was just filled up with actually us just talking about all the things we need, we have to get done how we're going to make a dollar out of 15 cents, to be honest. And it really is 
a luxury to even have the time to sit down and think about yourself and truly check in. So my advice for anybody listening to this is to stop and take a moment and ask yourself, are you defining your worth by how productive you are being? Because no matter how many photo shoots you do, no matter how many articles you write, no matter how many pieces of Instagram content that you put out, if you are not checking in with yourself and actually doing all of the emotional labor and the mental labor that it takes to make sure that you are being your best self for all of the content you're creating, for all of the people that you are trying to entertain, then you sadly have started your car and left that bitch on neutral because creating content is not checking in with how you are mentally doing with living through a pandemic, with watching the amount of deaths that are occurring in this country. And so do yourself the favor of seeing yourself as a human being who is not a robot who needs to actually check in with how they are doing. And I hope that everyone listening is also realizing that that is part of the reason why this whole segment is called mental check in. Because if there's one thing that we forget to consistently do every single day, let alone every week, it is to check in with ourselves. So this is your reminder to check in and ask yourself some deep questions. And that doesn't just mean sitting there and saying to yourself, well, why do I feel this way or anything? It's sitting and truly being present with yourself and allowing yourself to follow a thought. It's allowing yourself to sit and be with yourself in the most natural state in silence. Truly, just sit there and ask yourself right now, when was the last time that you sat and you listened to yourself and you thought about yourself and you truly thought about what you needed emotionally, emotionally, bitch? Because getting into your feelings just when you listen to a Beyonce or an Adele song is not therapy. It is not checking in, okay? Because while not everyone can afford therapy, we all can afford to sit by ourselves, okay? And question and ask and delve deep into who we are. Bitch, you are going to be spending the most time with you out of your entire lifetime. So you better get to know that bitch you living with in your mind, okay? And I'm going to end this thorn by reminding you that the trauma that you carry around and the unresolved baggage that you refuse to check in on and refuse to heal does not just stay with you. It affects your entire community. It affects every person around you and it affects people who are not around you as well. So if not for yourself, check in with you for everybody else around you. Because all of the toxicity that we keep bottled up within ourselves cannot stay bottled up. It seeps out every single day, every single interaction, every single toxic habit that we continue and leave unchecked are toxic habits that affect those around us that we love and those that we don't love. Because we don't have to just love you in order to care about your life. Okay, bitch. That's called empathy. Speaking of empathy, I am beyond excited to share and introduce to you all the first guest on this podcast. And it is honestly the very first person I immediately thought of when I thought of guests for this podcast. So welcome, without further ado, an amazing performer, 
a phenomenal musician, a beautiful, beautiful community leader, and someone who I'm honored to call a friend. They are someone who I cannot believe I get to speak with, and I think you're going to be just as fucking enamored with them as I am by the end of this interview. So get ready for the one and only Klondike. I, I'm i not sure if you know, but I was an RA in college. I was an RA and, too! One semester. Okay. <laughs> See, I did it for too long. I Three and a half years. Three and a half years. Oh, no. I know. Oh, no. I know. But I always believe in starting things with like your name, your pronouns, where you live, and a fun fact. Yeah, we love icebreakers. <laughs> so my name is Graham. Uh, like the cracker, G R A H A M. Um, my pronouns are yeah. he, they, and just any gender neutral stuff. But the ones that I use for you don't you use pronouns for yourself. But the ones that I like hearing the most are he and they. Um, I am living in Bedsty. Um, and then a fun fact: I love clouds. Love clouds. Like if I wasn't a musician, I would be a meteorologist. <laughs> really? Yes, I would be like welcome, like gre- upstate, like Greece, New York, like my hometown meteorologist. Like we're gonna have a fl- cold flu coming through soon with our cumulonimbus cloud. Like oh god, clouds are so cool. Like unnecessarily cool. One of the things that have always <laughs> inspired me when I was um, in college studying scenic design, yes! literally so many of my concepts would be clouds because whenever I'm thinking, I have to look up, like inherently just look up. And so many times I'm thinking outside and the clouds, yes. it just, it frees something in my thinking process. So the fact that you'd be a meteorologist mm-hmm. is so sickening to me. Like, do you remember oh, that old like Skechers commercial that was like, I'm a pale paleontologist that's who i am it was like for kids yeah um yeah and i'm i was always like that but with meteorologists like i'm a meteorologist and i was like oh because like or like storm chaser like if i wasn't going to be like a full-on meteorologist i I was going to be like that person like running after tornadoes with a healthy distance a healthy distance they're very big i don't need to be that close like i am just like that you know that white man in like the panel van just being like we got a a big one coming down the highway literally storm chasers and volcanologists i'm like y'all are wild y'all are really like you know it's really cool the thing that could kill me let me go close I went to Sarah Lawrence because I didn't know what a liberal arts school was. Like, I genuinely got a postcard in the mail. My mom was like, so they say you don't have to pick a major here. And I was like, that sounds fine. <laughs> and then I went to college and they're like, you never heard of like Bard, Vassar, Grinnell. Like, and, and I was like, nope. I don't know them hoes. <laughs> I don't know them. I came here because I said I could sing and do movies if yes. I wanted to. Oh my God, yeah. Like the first two years I was at school, like before, because there was like a smoking ban that happened. And so mm-hmm. it went from like, ah, oh, come to my performance art piece in my small bedroom, like in my dorm, where I'm going to be like putting like projections on my walls about my dead dad. And it's like, yeah, yeah. sure, I'll show up. Or it's like walking into a party and being like, so the orgy's in that room, the coke is in that room. And then like a year and a half later, it was oh, like, I had a lot of entrepreneurial students, like a lot of like white folks from like the Midwest being like, I want to start a business. And I was like, I write musicals about my depression. Like we're, we're not here for the same reason. <laughs> Two very different trajectories. Right. So it was like me being an RA, like one semester, my sophomore year being like, oh yeah, I would like to have like a thousand dollars and less money to pay for, you know, room and board. But oh, then I was like, oh, I'm a stoner. And so if like some freshman 
text me being like, I'm unwell at three in the morning. I'm not going to be able to be like, I'm zooted. Like, I like, I was like, no, I'm, this isn't the job for me. Like I have, I have, I'm an acapella dad. Like I had kids, but like hmm. they knew that there was a big chance I was going to be inebriated if they talked to me after a certain point in the evening. Whereas like, it was my job. Whereas like, you know, my RA, like, you know, I was like, my boss, I guess was like, so why would you drink at a party? You're only 20. And I was like, you're right. I guess, I guess the desires of college wasn't worth it. <laughs> How many people like attend Sarah Lawrence? It was like 1300, including grads. 1300 bigger than my high school i mean smaller than my high school 1300 yeah. yeah no it's like if you don't recognize somebody after like sophomore year it's like when did you get here <laughs> like where was i like you really know everyone's business you know everyone's I, business that always sets up such an interesting dynamic when it comes to colleges because emerson mm-hmm. college where i went was like five thousand students still small but not yeah. as small yeah that's why i'm like I'm literally like, I couldn't imagine. Yeah, like the theater department was like maybe like 200 people when it was like getting hefty. And so it was like, you know, there's one improv group at one point. So we're all going out for it. (laughs) It's like, and that's the most popular thing on campus because no one's going to the sports teams because the soccer team lost to the Culinary (laughs) Institute like every time. And they're like, they devoted their life to souffle. You can't soccer. Wait, 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 wait. Can I just say, one of the best senses I've heard all week is they have dedicated their lives to souffle. <laughs> like, actually, they're like, oh my god, my bread didn't rise, but they can whoop your ass at soccer. They still have time. They still have time. When you came they, here for soccer. If anything, they're the ones who are getting all the nutrition. They're going to be the ones who really <laughs> run laps around that ass. My stamina is eclipsing yours. Never trust that you can beat a person who spends their time around fire, knives, and heat. Too true. To me, I'm Too good. True. To, I get scared putting things into the oven. This is a hot box. I know. I could die. <laughs> my partner has a broiler. And so I always am like, oh, God, I just like my hands are too big. It's terrifying, especially when it's like I didn't grow up using a broiler. It may have been a broiler, but we just kept our cast iron stuff in there. That's the little drawer at the bottom of the stove, right? Yep. I didn't know it was usable until a couple years ago. Do you know what you even specifically use a broiler for? It's like cheese and like it's it's specifically to like give you that like caramelization on the top of whatever you're doing rather than like heating it through. Ooh, coming to this age, caramelization. Yeah, I watch binging with Babish or whatever. I see how. Okay, maybe I'll use the broiler one day. Yeah, yeah, if you're like, ooh, I just want to heat something up and like if you don't have like a microwave and you want to get that like bubbly on the top. Ooh, that that also strangely sounds what somebody would call their bussy. Like, yeah, put it in the broiler. (laughs) (laughs) Put it in the broiler, mama. (laughs) Only come here if you want your shit charred. (laughs) Listen, I'm just like, I'm I'm not here for like pre-quarantine, like pre-pandemic is like, I'm demure. Like, and now I'm a a freak. Like, I don't have time to be acting like I'm not. So like, if you're not down for it, then like, block. (laughs) Honestly, the wildest thing about the pandemic is it just brought so many revelations to me about my own sexuality. Mm, speak on it, sis. <laughs> the wildest thing in the world that I would have never expected as a very sexually active person before the pandemic was that I realized that I identify on the asexual spectrum. Because mm. it wasn't until actually getting to spend this large amount of time by myself mm. and as well, not really able to meet another person for sex because of uh, an entire virus. It was a lot of time spent by myself which made me question what was yes. what was actually like 
making drawing me to sex and was mm-hmm. it actually something that I wanted to be a part of or was it something that was serving some idea of myself and it wasn't until I started dating someone who's asexual right. and then realizing that I was completely happy with what we had in our relationship and just completely at peace with it and mm-hmm. I was like well hold up wait a minute because I always was told and under the belief and assumption exactly. that like I need to have this as a part of happy relationship. And I'm sitting here with someone who is supporting me and making me feel valued and making me really, really happy. And right. so if two plus two was four, if five plus five was ten, exactly. then what the fuck is this? And then that, I had the actual time to deep dive into people's stories about their asexuality mm. and the big diverse spectrum of what asexuality is and then finally finding the word that actually like feels like it describes me it was like one of those moments where you sit there and you kind of cry for a little bit because you're like i just saw something that described how i feel like me even like six months ago would have never even thought i would have identified with but to see it and be like hold up bitch these Mm. are bubbling in my broiler right now it really (laughs) truly blew my mind and so yeah have you had any revelations like that in this pandemic i think so um i don't know if it was just the trajectory of like my like sexual activity overall and then the pandemic was just like bring it up to 100 but (laughs) i i mean like being like trans in like a very white suburb it was like no one like i thought i was ugly and then I was like, actually, I'm just black. Um, and then it was like, oh, I'm also just fat. And then I got to that part. And then I got to college and they were like, did you know that trans is a thing? Because like, if you if you hate being a girl as much as you say you do, maybe you're just not a girl. And then I was like, see, now I have been saying that for a very long time. And everyone was like, too bad that's not a thing. <laughs> and then I met a full ass community of people who were like, it's been a thing for as long as like water has been a thing. And I'm like, see? Now, so I think that it's like I came out, I didn't have any of the like, oh, I'm a, I'm a lesbian and no way actually I'm trans. It was all at once. Like my sexual sexuality mm. and gender journey like happened at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I shaved my like, sophomore year, sophomore year, I like shaved my head and I was like, oh, <laughs> sleep with ladies now. And then everyone was like, okay, great. You figured it out for yourself. Better. <laughs> And then I was like, I'm like over 250 pounds and I'm like a 5'11 and I have a shaved head. I must be a top. Like, I don't know what Mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. And it seems like all these ladies want me to top them and I don't want them to leave. So I'll do it. Oh, you better. I wish I had a bell. (laughs) Mm, Yes. And it's just like, yeah, well, I don't. And so it it was years before I was like, am I enjoying the sex I'm having? Or am I just doing it because I want you to enjoy it? And Mm -hmm you're validating me and I so much so much and then it wasn't until like like an ex ago that I was like hey I actually do enjoy topping but it's because I'm dysphoric bottoming (laughs) it's like and then finding somebody I could bottom with and I was like okay this is exciting I keep crying after every time but I'm enjoying myself (laughs) oh my god you are I it's like reading a book about my life (laughs) And then pandemic, I was just like, you know what? I don't give a shit. And then it was like, oh, like certain things that I like assumed I was going to like with my body didn't. And then things that like were the exact opposite of what I thought I was going to like were like 
no, this is my thing. Like, this is my thing a hundred percent. And like, kink has been a, like, I like, I met this white boy that I met in abroad a couple years ago mm-hmm. with like, we would wrestle. And I was like, why do I enjoy this? I was mm-hmm. like, I would always run past as a kid, but you know, I thought it was like just bully stuff. And now I'm like, mm, but if that boy would do some other stuff, that wouldn't be that yeah. hard. So, and so it's just been like slowly but surely over time, just being like, I am allowed to be as like sexual as I am, but just growing mm-hmm. up in a very sheltered like home space, it was like, I won't even think about the fact that I'm attracted to people because if I can think that eventually my family is going to be able to figure that out. And if my grandfather knows that I want, that to happen if he knows i'm reading fan fiction i'll just set myself on fire i'll just like end it all right now literally i don't even even know that i think like that Mm because i'm coming from like a they weren't saying like no sex till marriage but they were saying you're not allowed to date so t T and my sister didn't sleep till have sex till marriage so i'm like even though we're not saying it like it seems that way, and I always planned on breaking that rule. Like I was like, I'm really just waiting for a willing participant. <laughs> it is not the Lord that is scaring me from fucking. It is absolutely the lack of interest on other people's part. Oh, I feel it. I was like sixty pounds overweight, five eight, just so uncomfortable in my own body. It's one of those things that like growing up so uncomfortable in your own body is one mm-hmm. of those trans experiences that's just like it transcends everything. It's something that I'm always able to connect with another trans person about because mm-hmm. it just I always think that because like because we're born trans, we are forced to see yeah. the world so differently because from the get up, you see and feel how the world is not built for you, how it is not structured for you. And one of the first things I remember before even truly mm. like every black person has that moment where they're like, oh, I'm black. And I had my moment of like, oh, I'm very uncomfortable in my body and I don't have the words for transness yet, but that's what I'm feeling before I ever even realized I was black. All I knew was that I feel uncomfortable Mm. in my body. Everyone is putting me in things that I don't actually like, but are saying these are things that I'm supposed to be liking. Mm -hmm. I was that very femme child, very, very feminine. I wanted to play with a doll. I wanted everything pink i wanted to be in fashion shows i watched miss america and miss usa every single year i watched the victoria's secret fashion show every year growing up <laughs> like i am training literally for as long as literally. i can remember like one of the my mom and i have had a rocky relationship with my gender but now we're in a great place yes come on mom. she sent me a trans cake for my birthday we love mo yes we love monique shout out to monique yes monique i never say her name out loud that was not disrespectful i'm saying it in the third person mom i love you uh, <laughs> Like, I'm not about to, because I could say the most incredible things about her, but she'll text me being like, I saw on that podcast you have my name in your mouth. I don't know who you think I am. Just because I support that you're a boy doesn't mean that you can call me by my first name. So she's a Virgo. I'm not trying to try anything. Oh, okay. With a Capricorn moon and a Capricorn rising. Yes. She has never known a rule. She did not love. I'm Uh, like, that's Toph level of Earth. Yes. No, she is. It's like Toph and Cora where like I come back and I'm like, I'm traumatized. And she's like, why is that my problem? You come to my swamp, either work on yourself or leave. I love that. No, my mom told me that I could could live with her uh, the summer after I graduated college. After that, she was like, I don't think that we do well together. And I was like, I agree. Love you to pieces, but... (laughs) 
we need our space. You're two puzzle pieces on different parts of the map. Yes, yes. Like, I am the rocky cliff. You are the sea. Like, we're just never going to be next ooh, to each other. Ooh, ooh. But that makes a beautiful coastline. Yes, beautiful yes. Coastline. So yes. we've had, like, a long journey with, like, my gender and everything. But... I think one of the most like affirming things she ever said to me, she was like, mm. I think once I started like deconstructing like gender and like what I thought you were as a child, like I realized that around three, you knew you were trans, even if you didn't know what that word was. Cause I was like, I, there's a picture of me in preschool and I'm like all the, it's mm. a Halloween picture. So all the boys are like power rangers and that kind of thing. And all the girls are like princesses. And then I'm like Batman with like the full like suits, like with like the peck and like the mask and everything and i'm over there like li- like like hulk hogan like flexing my mom was like yeah who who knows which one my daughter is <laughs> just like... <laughs> so she was like yeah no there was no and i that's one of my first memories of being in party city being like i can't get the batman suit without the pecs because i don't have pecs like i don't have muscles and i'm not batman without muscles so mm. whatever we gotta do we gotta get the <laughs> I'm so here for it. And it was like a lot of me like wanting to wear, like I cried when I got my first M1 jump like jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. Like cuz it was like my older cousin like my older cousin like pay for it and I was like it's well it's velour <laughs> navy blue. It was yes! like, and I, like I remember my first pair Smiling. of J's. Like all this kind of stuff and I like cared so much and also I've always loved fashion I've always loved clothes. Mm-hmm. Like I dressed up as Willy Wonka <gasps> to go to school but not Gene Wilder. The <laughs> the Johnny Depp one because I already had a bob and so I was like and I can go to Goodwill and get a three piece suit mama I'm done so every year for Halloween I was a different man and I was like you know there's no particular reason I just like boys and it was like I just kept saying it's because I had such a crush on boys which is true because I am so gay it's like being trans and queer it was like okay well I'm a weird girl air quotes but I like guys, so I guess I'm straight. Ooh, but because I don't know anything track. else, and I'm not acknowledging the girls that I'm into. Like I'm just like, ha ha ha! I can't watch her stop doing tumbles and gymnastics. But that must be something else. Because <laughs> I just had so many questions on guys that it must be that, and that must be a fluke. Oh, that is so much <laughs> to unpack in a really beautiful way because it speaks so much to how much it feels so validating as a trans person when you can have someone who watched you grow up say, oh, I saw it. Mm -hmm. I saw it. Because I've been blessed enough as a trans person to have my mom say the same thing. And it's one of those things. Oh, that's beautiful. It's it's beyond words because it just, it's like one of those things where all of society is trying to gaslight you into believing that you aren't who you are. You aren't deserving of who you are eroding our history Mm. and to have a moment where someone especially if you can get a parent or a guardian it's like i remember when my mom said it to me there was like a weight off of my shoulders where it validates thoughts that you can't even think back to back when you were four and you were three you were just running off of instinct you were literally just running purely off of your own energy yes and exactly to have someone sit there and to have someone validated i'm so blessed and happy to hear that you have that that's beautiful and it was because my dad's side of the family which is i didn't grow up with my mom's side of the family she moved from alabama to new york like to like upstate and that's where my i grew up i have a very very strained relationship with my dad's side of the family and my half sister who i grew up with but she is not my mom's daughter i she still hangs out with my dad's side Mm -hmm. of the family but 
I don't. So it was like, I was like, how do I come out to her? Cause like, I do want to. And it was like my senior year. And then I was like, I'm more of a boy than anything else. And she was like, I know. Mm-hmm. She was like, yeah, that makes sense. And then I was like, oh, thank God. I was like, even though like, we don't agree on so many things, this thing makes a lot of sense. And then she was like, do you remember when I came out to you as like bi in high school and you freaked out? Because I was like, are you going to tell dad? Are you going to tell mom? Are you going to tell papa? Like, what's going to happen to you? I thought you were in love with Justin. And she was like, still bi, just dating a guy right now. (laughs) And I was like, okay, this is a lot to unpack, but I I trust you. And she was like, I knew then that you had some of your own stuff. And the fact that like I was confident enough to talk about it meant that it was like creating space for me to think about myself like that. And that was a lot at the time because she's five years older than me. And I think she probably came out when she was in high school. So mm-hmm. I was probably like in middle school. So I'm just getting, you know, oh, socialized okay. as a particular gender. Because again, everyone in school knew that I was going to show up in a t-shirt and jeans or like mask mm-hmm. presenting clothes every day. And then we got to middle school and everyone was like, oh, you're a weird girl. And I was like, since when has this been weird? And I was like, mm-hmm. I have been playing I've been doing the bolt like the I've been sitting at the boys' table. I've been like during lunch. I like play football instead of hopscotch at play like recess. Like Foursquare is my king. I'm like I don't know what else to tell you. Like I'm I am, giving you clues, right? I'm I'm dropping these breadcrumbs. Like now I know as in my non-binaryness and all those kind of things, my gender and expression is so much more fluid and are not entirely mass just masculine. Mm-hmm. But at the time, because no one was trying to acknowledge that, mm-hmm. I was like, guess I got to double down. And so it, it took so long for me to be like, actually, like, there is a level of flamboyancy that I have, but it doesn't make me a woman just because I'm like, yes! Like, because I've always been that way. That was another thing that was affirming about my mom. She was like, mm-hmm. I think for a while, because I came out as trans and she was like, oh, no. But then after a while, she was like, okay. And then I started wearing a dress, dresses and, like, fem stuff mm-hmm. around the house. And she was like, I thought you were trans! And I was like, this is a dress. <laughs> I was like, that is all this is. That does not invalidate the last four years of our work together. And then she was like, and Period. then she was like, I had to think about it more. Period. And she was like, yeah, you would wear costumes to school when nothing was going on. Just like today, I am a fairy witch, and because that's how you found wearing my wings to school, or like today, I am Marilyn Manson. Like, is the world is your runway, and every single day is your opportunity to rock exactly, that motherfucker, exactly. Oh. Especially as a Leo, she was like, Why are you so much? And I was like, I don't know how else to be. <laughs> like, I don't know how not to be on a hundred. A hundred is where I was born, right? Like, oh my god, there was this, uh, I was. I don't even know if we have them anymore, but old, you know how those old VHSs of everyone's first choir concert or something? Yes. And we were doing Doe a Deer, and I had a solo, and I was wearing this, like, black, sparkly, like, like cardigan and pant. Like, you I was better. looking like Bette Midler at Madison Square Garden or you something. Bet. You better. It was very much like old Broadway queen coming to sing her classics with an orchestra. I'm wearing a lot of, like, oh. petite, older women's, like, fancy clothes. Because also, like, being, right, because being plus size. But tall, but still ten. It was like brooches. <laughs> Ooh, come on! Most most of these bitches can't even spell brooch. Okay, definitely couldn't. Definitely couldn't, Mama. You better. But, but I would wear it. I was the kid that was like, oh, for we have to do like a weather project, like we were in like Earth Science or whatever. It was like you have to do a weather forecast for a different area. Ooh, I'm seeing a tie back to meteorology. Uh, yep, and they were like, you have to do a weather forecast for a different area of the world. And so I was like, cool. Me and this poor. Like, so anxious she could explode if you looked at her white girl. I was like, we're dressing up in the area of the country that we're doing the meteorology from. Thank God it was South Africa. So I wasn't like, it was like, you know, I literally, again, this is me in the suburbs at 15. So I was like, I'm aware a head wrap. 
from my auntie and period we're, they're, we're there my cousin and, got a dashiki right and then I was like with my J's <laughs> and then my and then Kaylee was like I didn't have anything African at home I'm sorry she just showed up in normal clothes and I was like I that's okay I was like I understand I think it would have been worse freeze. I think it would have been worse if she showed up in the garb and was like I'm ready Every time there was a book report, I was dressing up as the main character from the book. We read 1984. I was Winston. <laughs> I was... I'm not even about to lie. I, that book was thick, and I did not read that one. <laughs> oh, we read it in a group, and I skimmed Jesus, because I did not know I had learning disabilities until I graduated. Oh, really? I discovered so many different things that I had never even, like, been privy to even thinking I needed to ask questions about in college. Was Was college a good or a positive experience for discovering those different, like, learning learning issues? I think that at that point, I had gotten so good at the coping mechanisms I had for it. Because it's like, I didn't realize that I just have, like, you know, the textbook dyslexia. I was like, you know when, like, numbers and letters flip around and you read the same sentence, like, six times in a row and, like, doesn't matter how well you know the material, you just can't read very fast? And they're like, yep, that's that's dyslexia. Like, and you're graduating in a month? <laughs> like, and so I think I just got really good. I only took classes that were, like, you know, the classics. So I was hey. like, okay, first of all, this book is under $10 mm-hmm. and it's definitely on Schmoop. Like, that, literally, I thought I had it in high school and I don't know what it was that made me think about it. I, it was because they told me that Albert Einstein had dyslexia when we were reading about him in, like, ninth or 10th grade. You're like, I'm a genius genius. <laughs> I was like... And literally, it wasn't until college that I was smoking weed with somebody in our dorm room, and we were getting high, and then I was talking about what it was like to, like, read a book. Just, I was yeah. like, exactly, and when you high for a moment, I was just so honest about it when I was high that the person was like, do sentences and lines really just hop around on the page in your brain? Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. And they were like, yo, you you have dyslexia. My sister got that. And I was like, are you telling me right now that I just got diagnosed by somebody named Dylan in a dorm room? <laughs> oh, no. See, that was me, though. That was me being like, oh, my God, because I always like talking about some, you know, somebody, some student, not not a medical professional, <laughs> being like, you know, it just is a bummer. I just didn't think that reading would be this hard at 23. And they're like, reading should not be hard at 23. <laughs> at 23. I thought the words were supposed to do that. Right. It's just like, I just assumed that like reading levels just keep increasing until you die. Because I remember being in third grade being like, oop, that book's a little too hard for you. And so you got to put it down. But also I was that kid that was like reading above my reading level. But as soon as that thought got smaller, it was over for me. Because okay. I was, I just got this new, I got a new tarot deck and the book that comes with it is like very large print and mm-hmm. like spaced out. And I was like, can read because it was getting to the point where i was like i'm illiterate i was like i just don't know if i'd smoke too much weed but like also i was having troubles years before i found out that this drug was a thing so oh yeah because i was that kid in high school that was like i'm a singer i will never smoke no ma'am i my instrument really yeah there because there were stoners in choir I, I was the same way i'm not even about to lie but also it was mostly if i was being honest i was like i'm I'm afraid of my parents and i don't want to get in trouble because i know that i will in no way be able to be so, like stoned under wraps like if i come home high i'm gonna be like greetings <laughs> and they're all gonna know <laughs> it's good my homies right and it's like yeah coming home to the my suburban house lit when my mom doesn't even, I remember I was like 21. My mom was like, don't get drunk in my mom's house. I was like, this like strawberry the size of my palm 
when I'm 250 pounds is going to do nothing. <laughs> I understand that you don't drink, but I like damn near have a drinking college in this here PWI. So <laughs> like Ooh, go in. Oh yeah. If you had told me that I drank too much up until the day I graduated, I would have been like, no, I'm not trying to avoid how I feel with drugs. Never. Oh my God. That's another part of the trans story. Honestly. Right. Just being that like, a... am I dissociating or is this what it is to think? that part that part Ooh, the amount of times that i have spiraled mm. in my own room after just getting a glance of myself mm. in the mirror in a way that was so dysphoric yeah. especially at the end of the day when you think that you be looking cute all day and you get that look and you're like so was i looking like a woman all day today was no one gonna tell me that i was just not stealth at all like cool i feel like honestly there's just some movie that's waiting to be had some mental drama that some trans person needs to be about the experience like so every trans person can probably identify with getting like affirmed in your gender with pronouns by a stranger mm-hmm. is it immediately being misgendered and you're like why do it's you do it? really i've had situations where i'm standing at like a counter checking out or something somebody comes up do you need help ma'am mm-hmm. and then literally oh no i'm fine and then the next person comes over before the person even walks away hey sir how are you doing and you're like uh, well this is some tomfoolery right and you're like this do is- you have any oil because i need to set myself ablaze <laughs> uh, the trans experience is like you gotta be strong you gotta be strong you gotta be fast. You gotta be. You gotta be both. both. I need a hero, Jesus. <laughs> um, I remember. So my uncle got married. Bless his heart. In an episcop. He's from Selma. Black man got married in a white Episcopalian church. What year was that? I was in college. <laughs> I was out as a trans person. This was like 2016 or something. And he's from Selma. Yeah. The Selma. Yeah. Yes. The only other black person that's involved with that church is the janitor. They have the most get out elevator where it's like you have to close the door and you have to like close the gate and I got stuck in it during the wedding and I was just like, <laughs> I was like, someone come get, I was like, texting my cousin. I was like, Quinlan, his name's Quentin, but it becomes Quinlan. So I was like, Quinlan, come get me. I was stuck in the elevator, Jesus, oh Lord. Oh my God, there's nothing but, spookier than a white church because right? white people have pissed off every guy. Right, especially since the reason I got into the elevator is I was trying to escape the like maze of like, so I hadn't been down in a while, but my hair was short and I was wearing a suit jacket, but I wasn't on T yet. So my voice mm-hmm. was still relatively like clockable. And so it was like mm-hmm. people who knew who I was, knew I was Monique's daughter and were confused as to why I looked like that. But people who didn't know who I was mm-hmm. were like, you look so much like Monique. You, mu- I know Monique has a child. You must be Monique's son. And so I'm like, what happens when auntie number four and auntie number 17 talk about Monique's child and realize that there's only two here and one of them is a short Puerto Rican girl and one is me. What's gonna, and so I'm sitting there being like, ha ha ha, well, I'll just go take your coats. Just like trying not to be around too many people at once. And it was, it was a lot, it was terrible. So then to get stuck in the elevator, I was just kind of like, okay, okay, great. So it's all just coming to a head. So I'm just like weeping in a suit in an Episcopalian elevator with my cousin, just being like, (laughs) you have the plot of an amazing play. Like, right. Cause it also, it it goes from, it was such a funny day because also like the rehearsal dinner was all these like old Baptist black folks, not understanding why they had to like stand up and sit down. (laughs) And then they didn't want to drink the communion water out of the same bowl as other people three years before you were Rona. And they were like, Ooh, I don't know about that bowl now. 
Black I'll, people don't play about germs. They won't Black eat somebody's play. food if they think that she didn't wash her hands 30 years ago. I couldn't so have said it better myself. Exactly. You are oh. amazing. You are amazing. And I need you to also keep me updated about how everything is going with your top surgery. Oh, and Okay, do you need anything? Um, when my mom's coming out of town and my boyfriend took the day a couple of days off, and it should be a, lo- a low, mm-hmm. low impact kind of thing. But I'll I'll keep you updated if I do. Please do. If you need anything, a hoe is always here. <laughs> I'm just a hop, skip, and a jump away in Bushwick. Just I'm so thankful to have gotten to talk to you. Oh, you too. You're- I'm so thankful for you. Um, like setting up this space. I feel like so often these spaces are curated with white by white people and they're like all right black trans folks get to gabbing and it's like are you gonna just like (laughs) stare are you just gonna sit there the entire time while we talk and so it's like thank you for like this not having a white context in this at all that makes it hell yeah so free hell yeah hell yes we have the rest of the world for a white (laughs) context (laughs) Mm -hmm. oh my god i love you so much i love you too I know that after listening to that, you are thinking the same thing that I am thinking. What is his Instagram? It is KG underscore K-L-O-N-D-Y-K-E. That's KG underscore Klondike spelled the queer way. And to look back on this conversation, I think that honestly, it's the exemplification of everything and every reason why I did this podcast is because I found myself having these conversations that are always so deep, so meaningful, and it's part of the reason why I love my community and my circle so much. It's because I get to see and hear about the depths of who they are consistently because I care enough to ask. And it's these questions and it's these conversations that have turned me into who I am and have turned me into the empathetic, caring, Black trans, power-oriented person that I am, especially as a Black trans person. (laughs) But beyond that, it really has taught me that my community has so much strength that I'll never possibly know or be able to get to know the full scope of because I can't talk to everyone forever, but I can talk to everyone that I can for as long as I possibly have them. And so I try to use every opportunity that I can to consistently get to know my community for who they truly are. So yeah, I hope that this conversation not only moves you to understanding who I am, and who Klondike is, and who people within your community are. You could possibly pass Klondike on the street every single day and never actually have a conversation with him because of whatever societal thing is stopping you. But the thing that I hope this podcast does for you is teach you that there is so much beauty, there is so much history, there is so much person inside of every single one of us and so take the chance to get to know that inside of every single person and on top of it feel like your voice matters feel like who you are takes up space as well and deserves to get known you deserve to be known in your community because of every gift that you have every piece of wisdom that you store you deserve to be known in your community as well and so share yourself with your community just as much as everyone else deserves to share themselves with you as well and so i think that after listening to this interview multiple times editing it and taking the wisdom with it if you had listened to the full thing we have sat there this full interview was an hour and 45 minutes just simply sitting down and commune and what i think i'm gonna 
just simply him and I sitting down and communing. And I think that what I'm going to, and I think that what I'm going to do with all of this is actually, I think I'm going to release a second part to this interview. If you all really love this and vibe with this, please let me know in the comments. Please comment, subscribe, all of the things, and let me know what you think about this. Simply because as I go forward, a lot of these interviews are pre-recorded. But what I'm doing is all of the commentary before and after is going to be edited together in order to make it a cohesive episode. And so what I want you to do is let me know what you think about this. Is there, are there any segments you would like to see? Is there anything you want to hear me speak about? Because I have a solid direction for where I want this to go and what I want you all to listen to and what I want you all to gain from all of these interviews and all of the all of the wisdom that I'm sharing and all the commentary that I'm sharing. But I very much want to know what you have to say because I am only as good as what my community wants to hear. So please let me know so that way I can actually take care of you and make sure you're getting something you want to listen to. So thank you. I know I said it before, but thank you so much. You all listening means the world to me because honestly, I just want to affect positive change within my community. And whether you are in California listening, whether you were in Korea, whether you were in Afghanistan, no matter where you are listening to this, you are in my community. We are all together just because we can't see each other doesn't mean we are together. Just because we can't see each other does not mean that we are not together. Just because we are not in the same time zone does not mean that we are not together. And so truly, thank you for listening. Thank you for giving your time. And if you would like to listen to an extended version of this entire podcast episode, you can go straight on over to my Patreon. It is patreon.com slash junior mint. That's with two T's because of copyright. So please just hop on over there and you can get a full 30 minutes of interview time and commentary from me and the amazing Klondike. I was planning on truly kind of breaking down this conversation that we had more, but I think the comment, I think the conversation is truly self-explanatory and doesn't really need me to break it down anymore. What you truly got to just witness is listening to two people sit and commune and connect and truly find common ground and find difference and find wisdom through it all and find security and support in one another. And This is what community looks like. This is what sharing yourself with your community looks like, because it's not like Klondike and I knew everything about each other beforehand. We had amazing connections and we knew amazing things about each other. But I can truly walk away saying I feel like I now know a true, truer depiction of Klondike. And I feel like I know someone in my community better and I know a friend so much fucking better. And it adds a whole nother level to the amount of support that I feel in my own community by just simply knowing that there are people who are walking in such similar shoes that I have walked in that if I had never asked the questions, I would have never known that. And so, yeah, just as Mariah Carey says, and then a hero comes along, bitch, and that hero is you, okay, bitch? When she said a hero comes along, guess who came along? You, bitch. And so you are the hero. A hero lies in you, okay? So before we part ways, let us end this podcast how we shall end every podcast. We will end it with an amazing Mariah Carey fact. Because if you did not know, I am one of the biggest lambs in the Lamely, okay? And if you don't know that, the Lamely is what the fan base of the Queen Mariah Carey calls ourselves, okay? Well, not what we call ourselves. She calls us that too. She calls herself a lamb. We are all lambs, okay? And so, 
it would not be correct if I ended this podcast without some sort of an homage or some sort of honor to the queen who motivates me every single day, literally is always the top of my title year in playback, okay? She is always my most listened to artist. Name any album and I can list you the track list, okay, ho? I love me some Mariah Carey. I, when I tell you, my goal one day is to work with her and I will. And once you all actually see it, once it goes down, bitch, just wait. It's going to be a wild day on this podcast because you know it's going to be, I'm going to be going off. But let's end on a Mariah Carey fact, okay? The fact that we are going to end this podcast episode off on is the fact that Mariah Carey is the top selling solo woman artist of all time with nine number one hits and my favorite part about that fact is the fact that Mariah Carey wrote all but one of those hits which includes All I Want for Christmas is You which includes Vision of Love which includes Touch My Body We Belong Together Don't Forget About Us Heartbreaker all of these hits and the only one that she did not write is a cover of I'll Be There that she did for an MTV Unplugged. Now you let me know when a bad bitch gets a number one hit off of an MTV Unplugged bitch, okay? I can barely get a motherfucking text back from a man. She is getting motherfuckers charting her songs from an MTV Unplugged. That's all I got to say, okay? So on that note, I want you to have a beautiful, blessed rest of your day, a beautiful, blessed rest of your week. And I will be back next week with another phenomenal freaking episode of the Moment of Truth podcast. I'm your host, Junior Mint, with two T's because of copyright. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, Venmo, PayPal, Patreon, any of it, you can find me at Junior Mint with two T's because of copyright. Okay, now have a beautiful night and keep following your dreams.